Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B playbook. Kevin, Kevin, you've started off with an insult. Uh, Just before we hit record, we do a, uh, a sync clap or a clap sync, which for those of you who don't know, uh, listeners, a clap sync is basically just where people at either end of the recording will clap. Um, so then you can sync up the audio at both ends. Isn't that right, Kevin? Yeah, that's right. And uh, you said that my clap was lackluster. It was. <laughs> what, what, what didn't you like about it? It was too weak? Yeah, George, you had no enthusiasm in there. For you, is that akin to someone having a weak handshake? What's your handshake like, actually? I can't, I don't, your handshake doesn't stick out to me. No, I, I like to be run of the mill, solid, not too weak, not too strong. You don't want people to be talking about your handshake after either way. Okay, you want it to be, yeah, okay, so the impression you leave shouldn't be due to the handshake that you've, that you've given. It should just be to, I guess, what you say, who you are. That's right, George. It's not about the handshake. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I need to start with a stronger handshake then. So people talk about that. And then if I say something stupid, then they don't remember that as much. <laughs> and I'm remembered as the guy with the strong handshake. <laughs> possibly, possibly. It's one way to go about it. <laughs> well, Kevin, look, I don't know much about salespeople, but I hear a handshake is very key in their world. And actually, Kevin, we actually are talking a little bit about salespeople today, aren't we? Because we're into step five of ABM and listeners, we've been discussing account-based marketing, uh, also known as ABM, and we've covered in the last four episodes exactly how to do it. So for those of you who haven't followed along for the last four episodes, 
We've really been discussing exactly what ABM is and how you as a small marketing team can actually go ahead and put together a really a pilot ABM campaign without having much of a budget at all. And Kevin, just as a reminder for our listeners, ABM is really about narrowing a target set of accounts and creating very highly personalized experiences for them and then working in tandem with sales to try and win them over. And in episode 40, we went through step one, which was all about how to define the targets, meaning how do we actually narrow down which accounts it is that we want to win over. Step two was in the next episode, and that's where we talked about your positioning and messaging. So how can you best position your product or service so when we pitch it to these dream customers in this ABM play, it's something that's really going to resonate with them. Then the next episode, Kev, step three, we shared three ways for our listeners to warm up key accounts, which is all about building relationships with these accounts. So you might have narrowed uh, your dream accounts to maybe 10 or 15. How can we start building relationships with the key people, the buying committee within those organizations? And we give you three ways of doing that. Then last episode, step four, we talked about how to actually activate accounts, which was really uh, how do we then go and get their attention after they've been warmed up? And then how do we pass some of that information onto sales to really get to that next step and get towards closing that deal? And Kev, step five is going to be a little bit more information about how we can work with sales at this final stage of an ABM play, and then also what reporting we can look at to see did our ABM campaign succeed and where can we improve next time? Listeners, it's probably important at this point to qualify that George and I, we are not sales experts, um, but I guess we do do a bit of selling with our own business, with the podcast and everything attached to that. So we do have some experience and as well working with sales teams uh, across our various occupations before this. As we mentioned in a previous episode, we will get an expert in at the end of the season to talk about sales specifically in the ABM process. But for the time being, we will share what we can. Yes, Kevin, I think it's probably best if we do bring an expert in to talk about really uh, from the sales side, when it comes to ABM, what it is that they wish that marketing perhaps did a little bit better because that that, uh, handoff from marketing to sales is so important. Anyway, Kevin, at this point in the ABM journey, we should have warmed up our accounts with one of the warm-up players that we went through a couple of episodes ago. We should have built a relationship with the key people within the buying committee, probably the champion, maybe the decision maker. We should have run an activation play to try and get a meeting. And we said some activation plays that are awesome, are, you know, sending gifts along with a bit of a tailored proposal. And we discussed that last week. But now, Kev, we actually need to get sales to follow up. And this is a really crucial part to ABM because people are so busy in their day that really what's most important to you is just a fleeting thought to them. So that's why we need to follow up and stay visible and make it as easy as possible for them to come on board. George, I think most sales teams will probably have their own separate playbook when they look at the framework for doing sales as we pass this point of handoff to the sales team. And part of that might also include something like um, after a gift is delivered, after we've done that as part of the marketing function, as, as part of the ABM play, what are the steps that then happen after that mail is sent? What are the steps that happen after that gift is delivered? 
And that playbook is just as important. Um, it should really include things like a timeline for following up, who should be contacted when they are followed up, and how they should be contacted. All the information that we gathered in the ABM approach, the information we gathered about each of those personas, each of those specific people in those businesses, that should all be available to the sales team and they should really leverage and utilize that to personalize the conversation that they then have with them after a gift is delivered. That's the crucial point there, Kev, is helping sales to continue that personalization. We don't want to tell them how to do their jobs. As you said, they still have their sales playbooks. It's about making sure that that handover, that relationship is as seamless as possible at the point where sales reach out. Yeah, and we're empowering them with the right information so that they can really continue that conversation in that same vein. So it feels like one coherent experience from the potential client side, but also sales are in a much better position to have a more productive conversation with a potential prospect, as opposed to having to educate them still about what the product is about and where it sits in terms of the client's tech stack or wherever it might be. I think it's really important for our listeners, Kev, to actually work with the sales team to draft a timeline for following up uh, really once that activation gift has been sent. So, we know how to pass that information on best and then the sales team know exactly what steps they're going to take um, past the point where that gift has been received. So for example, Kev, let's say that we sent a creative gift to one of our targeter accounts. You know, what should sales do? Well, maybe on the first day of that gift that's being received, maybe sales should give them a call to start a conversation. You know, that's so much better than them reaching out on LinkedIn messages. This target account, uh, the people in the buying committee, they've actually already been warmed up. So we ran them through our warm-up plays. We've already connected with them before. They're aware of you. So we don't have to go to a LinkedIn message. Let's pick up the phone. Let's give them a call. So what do you do normally, Kev? You call, you introduce yourself, maybe have a laugh about the gift if it's a silly gift like you and I normally send. And then after you've established that rapport again, start to qualify what problems that they're dealing with. Um, you know, you've probably had a conversation with them about it again in the past, but it's worth reiterating. Once you do that, then you, all of a sudden your sales team can go, okay, you've experienced these problems. Well, here's exactly how we can help. And then it's also important listeners to define the process of what happens when maybe no one picks up the phone. What do you do to follow up if no one picks up the phone? Do you email them next? Do you make a note to follow up again the next day? It's also really handy, Kevin, in this playbook to have a section that addresses what we call objection handling. So objection handling is really all the reasons uh, why your dream account, your dream customers would not buy your product. So if your prospect says, you know, maybe thanks for the gift, thanks for the call, but it's just not the right time for us, or we're already using another solution, or um, you know, it's actually just not the right thing for us at this time. What should what should sales do next, Kev? You know, how should they handle this? So I think it makes sense really to work with sales to create not word for word scripts, but at least directions of where to take the conversation in each scenario. Yeah, George. For us, again, as non-sales experts we don't know that process well, the best way to do that um, we do know that that's a very important part of the sales playbook and i'm sure we'll get an expert in who can give us a much better lay of the land in terms of the specifics there but why it's important for you as a marketer to be in that conversation is you spent 
maybe the last few months, even a year, talking to these potential prospects, talking to people like them, collecting information about each and every one of these individual companies and people, you know what their potential objections are, their pain points effectively, and what things line up against those pain points that your product or service might solve. These are the types of information that you can pass on to sales, and it can only be done in this sort of conversation with sales at this point when they're building their playbook. All right, folks, quick breather here. In my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, it's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement, and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo, and you'll also get a free extended premium trial when you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. That's a great point, Kevin. That communication shouldn't just be one way. It shouldn't be just from marketing to sales, but we actually need to turn that into a loop. So we get feedback from sales to marketing. For example, if these target accounts, when the sales team reach out and they say, you know, sorry, we're actually not interested, get sales to ask why. You know, if they say, hey, you know what, we're actually using another tool and it's fitting this purpose, get sales to ask why and which one. Um, you know, if it's a complete dead end. Maybe just ask, you know, did anything in our proposal, did anything that we did, you know, throughout our warm-up play, throughout our activation, through the gifts we sent you, did anything grab your attention? Is there something about our product that you really liked? Kev, we can get all this valuable, juicy information and we can feed that back into marketing because we can then adjust our value proposition. Perhaps we needed to adjust how we were pitching this product. Or you know what, Kev, maybe that the companies um, that we were pitching to that said no, maybe they're just not the right fit for us. Maybe there's something about their firmographics or the way that they think as a company that just means that they should be disqualified from our future ABM campaigns because there just isn't that correct product market fit. Yeah, and it's a, a factor for us and another data source for us from the sales team to then help us adjust our whole marketing strategy month over month, year over year, so that we continue to improve and narrow in on the audience that is right. Finally, Kev, I think it's really important that um, when both marketing and sales are dealing with these target uh, accounts, it's really crucial to save any replies or any interactions that you have with those target accounts. You know, whether they're positive or negative, it doesn't matter. We want to form really a database to, again, just examine on how they were responding to how we were pitching our product. So we know how to improve our campaigns in the future. And hopefully, listeners, this is already coming to you as second nature by this point. It's very similar to the process that you started off with in terms of talking to your potential customers, gathering all this information, and making sure you're writing down quotes. Remember, we said to write down quotes that you can then later use in your marketing communications for messaging. Exact same idea. We're recording all the positive and negative feedback we get so that we can adjust not just our campaigns, our strategy, but also our messaging in the future as well. 
That's it, Kev. Everything builds on the five Bs framework, doesn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's one giant feedback loop, essentially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Kev. Well, that's pretty much it when it comes to your first ABM campaign. So listeners, you could do that. And I mean, you might only have to spend like a couple of hundred bucks on the gifts to actually get your first one up and running. You need really one marketer. You probably need one SDR, one person in sales um, to actually go ahead and work with you to create this and to make it happen. And it doesn't have to take forever. You can try and condense it into about an eight week period and do this ABM in sprints. And George, one thing we've been saying in the last couple of weeks is you don't need an overly complex tech stack to run this. Uh, you can start with a simple Google Sheet and do this whole thing out of a Google Sheet just with the different steps involved. List it out in that Google Sheet and start recording things in that Google Sheet because likely your first ABM run, it's not going to contain a big list and it shouldn't contain a big list of potential prospects that you want to reach out and convert. Yeah, spot on. There's there's really no need for a big budget or a big team to run ABM. Google Sheets is, is perfect. So Kev, just to recap, uh, really the key steps when it comes to running your first ABM campaign is number one, first defining and documenting the target accounts and the buying committee. Number two is having a method to build relationships with key members of the buying committee and then running a warm-up play on them to start building that relationship. Number three is starting to activate these accounts that have been warmed up with a fun, creative gift that kind of opens the door for a conversation. Number four is working with sales to follow up and then actually start to close these accounts. And Kev, an important note that we just discussed before is the feedback loop between sales and marketing should be really tight to continuously improve our targeting, our messaging, and disqualifying uh, factors. That's right, listeners. What that really means is instead of ending that conversation with sales in that final meeting where you're working with sales on the follow-up steps, you need to set a meeting regularly with that sales team to go over these points and review and improve the targeting and messaging that comes through based on the feedback. All right, Kev, now we're going to get to the stuff that the executives really care about. Let's talk about how we report on ABM. And I think a great thing about ABM is it actually is quite measurable because we have a very set budget um, that we spend on ABM and there's a very set outcome. So Kev, what do our executives really care about? As with any marketing campaign, it's going to be the budget, the amount of pipeline, the revenue generated from the ABM, campaign and of course the ROI. Easiest way to show this? Well, probably just in the same Google Sheet where you're running this whole ABM campaign from. Now, I don't know how you report to your executives, whether you have to put it into a slideshow or uh, whether you can just put it in your monthly activity report, but let's just talk through some of those metrics that you guys need to report on and then you can decide how it is that you should do it. All right, Kev. So first, we want to look at what were the actual results of the campaign? What were the outcomes? And then we're going to look at some metrics, some key metrics around it. So the results, the outcomes, we can look at, well, how many accounts did we target? And out of those accounts, how many responded to our outreach? So maybe we targeted 10 accounts. We might have had eight responses. Of those, how many actually turned into opportunities? Now you could define opportunity as those who actually got a meeting booked with sales. So maybe we got five opportunities. And then out of those, Kev, how many deals did we actually close? Uh, let's say we closed three deals. 
And then other really key outcomes, Kev, are revenue. You know, how much revenue did we generate in total? And how much did we spend to generate that revenue? How much did this whole ABM campaign cost? And Kev, with those key results, we can then actually start to generate some key metrics from that too, can't we? We can look at what the ROI was of that total campaign. So to get that, we can look at the uh, total revenue and just divide that by the spend to give us that ROI. We can look at the cost per acquisition. So how much did it actually cost us to acquire these new customers? You can look at the cost per response. So uh, how much did we have to spend to actually get an engagement, a meaningful engagement with each of these target accounts? We can look at what the cost per opportunity is, meaning like the cost per uh, opportunity, however it is that you define that in your organization. You can also look at what the pipeline is. So what is the revenue potential of any open opportunities that haven't closed yet? So your average sales cycle might be a lot longer than the eight-week period that you're actually running this ABM play for. So there could be still a lot of money that's left on the table. And it's important to track that because until that account is marked off as closed, that's still open and that's potential revenue. And finally, Kev, we can also look at what the one percentage was. So out of the target number of accounts, how many did we end up winning business for? And you can calculate that as a percentage. Now, as we said, executives are really going to care about those key ones uh, like ROI, uh, pipeline that's in the works and the amount of revenue that was actually generated. And the rest of these metrics are probably better for you guys to keep track of internally. So they set a bit of a benchmark for you. So when you go and create your next ABM campaign, we know roughly what it's going to look like. And maybe, Kev, we have a baseline that we actually want to better and beat next time. Nice, George. I think that really covers a lot of the stuff that the conversation with execs normally go through. Um, all those metrics, ROI, uh, what's in the pipeline, and revenue generated, all these things are very key to that conversation with execs. Well, listeners, for the marketing team itself, there's a few extra things you can look at to get the most learnings out of this process. So it's important to do a really good and detailed campaign analysis uh, to get those extra learnings. Some of the questions you might ask from a marketing perspective would be, which firmographics did we have the most success with? Who were we unsuccessful with? These are the things that you can get from talking with sales team, obviously, but also analyzing that information if it's all in the same Google Sheet. And then digging a little deeper on that, once you've found those patterns on what firmographics were successful and not successful, you can look at whether any disqualifying factors that we can work into our criteria for the next round of the ABM. For example, maybe companies sized 10 to 50 employees had the highest reply rate and then from 100 to 500 had the lowest. So anything beyond that might not be suitable. So you might want to go for more companies in the next round that are around that 10 to 50 employee size. Uh, patterns like that, uh, that form disqualifying factors, qualifying factors are really important and really helpful for optimizing your ABM approach over time. And make sure to analyze the replies from your target accounts. What are the messages and replies that were most common? What are the messages that resonated the most and what didn't? And then use that to improve your messaging. Take those replies, put that into scripts, proposals, things like that for the next time around. And again, in this way, you can improve each step of the communication process in the ABM approach. 
It's kind of like just applying a mini 80-20 analysis, isn't it, Kev? It's just constantly asking yourself, when we went through this process, who actually made our life the easiest? And let's just go find more people like that. And who made our life difficult? Let's disqualify them. Yeah, that's exactly right, George. At a very basic level, just iterations of that same process, build a feedback loop, use the learnings to improve how you're doing things, make that a process, rinse and repeat. Beautiful. Well, Kev, that's it. That's ABM. That's all the information you guys actually need to get your first campaign going without any real technology or big investments. You can, of course, start to work technology in over time. Um, like Kev, probably the first thing that I would add over time is maybe some intent software like Clearbit or Leadfeeder. And this software basically just provides you with signals that someone has interest in your product or service. So if they're on your website it, and uh, you, know, you can't, of course, tell who exactly is in your website, this software can help you de-anonymize that traffic and say, you know, Kevin from the B2B Playbook is on your website and you can look at what pages Kevin's been looking at and you can take that as a sign of intent. And of course, then they might be people that you add into your target accounts for your ABM pipeline. But that's absolutely not essential to get started. That's something you can add in over time. I'd just add to that, George, from my side, uh, once you get that uh, intent software in place, probably the next one you wanna look at is, do you have the right CRM to build this process for um, where the marketing side and data collection side can flow straight into sales. So both marketing and sales can use a particular CRM system that you're using. Maybe you already have one. Maybe you need to look at that, relook at that and improve that or migrate to one that supports your, um, your system or needs better. Um, but again, as George said, non-essential, it's just gonna make that process a lot easier to manage over time as your ABM process grows. Yeah, that's right. As the ABM process grows and your team grows, it makes sense to start looking at more standardized solutions like CRMs. Great point, Kev. Anyway, Kev, to sum it up, the keys really are make sure you do your research when it comes to ABM. Make your ABM highly personalized. Really make sure that you empower sales to follow up and create a feedback loop. So you're always learning and improving. Listeners, hopefully you had a great time learning about ABM as much as we had talking about it, even though it's an area that crosses straight into sales, which we'll talk more with an expert about later on. In terms of key takeaways for this episode, the first one is after an activation play, it's very important to empower sales with the key information so they can effectively follow up your target accounts. The second is a feedback loop between marketing and sales is vital to improving future ABM efforts. So make sure you get that set up as a regular catch up. And finally, ABM is a measurable marketing effort. We talked about some of the reporting and some of the metrics that you can put in place. So make sure to show your executives the results of your efforts. Well done, Kevin. Thank you for that. Listeners, you can find links to everything we discussed in the show notes. And next week, we're going to take a look at another way to be seen, which is actually using paid ads. And listeners, we're so grateful that each week, more and more marketers tune in every Monday morning. It's so nice that you guys are coming out and messaging me and telling me how much you're loving the B2B playbook. Um, you're making fun of Kevin too, which is great on the sly. Uh, I really, really enjoy that. And if we can ask one thing, it would be to please just leave us a short review on whatever podcast app it is you listen to us on, or even better, refer the podcast to someone who you think could use it. 
It's an amazing help to us and we'd really, really appreciate it. Take care and see you next week. Thanks, George. Thank you, listeners. See you next week. A quick note before you go, listeners. You can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.